Hello and welcome to the, another episode of the Criterion Quest, a continuing podcast series looking at important films and contemporary classics. My name is Chris and I'm joined as always by my wonderful co-host Tom. Hello. And uh, we have a special guest on this week's episode. Everyone, please welcome Mike. Hi, everyone. <laughs> and uh, we, we, I felt, uh, you know, I, I thought Tom and I could do a good job with this film, but I mean, it's, it's an important film. It's a political film. It's a historic film. I think uh, we need to bring in a ringer. So <laughs> we, we brought Mike in to discuss this. And we're going to be talking about uh, Giulio Pontecorvo's 1966 film, The Battle of Algiers. Where the fuck do we begin? <laughs> um, Alright, so I I had seen this many times before. Um, I had written a paper on it at university, even. Um, so well-versed in it. I uh, think it's a fucking masterpiece of cinema. Um, you guys, had you heard of it? No one knew anything about it? What, what were, Where were you coming into this from? I, I'd heard of it before, mainly because, you know, I've heard, like, Tarantino mention it, and, of course... I wasn't aware, but he uses... The opening the, fucking main yeah. theme song for the movie is the music he uses as the theme song for The Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. Which pissed Ennio Morricone off a lot because he was like, you fucking idiot, do not get the <laughs> point of that. Like, we're ironically using heroic music, <laughs> like you dick. <laughs> yeah. So I was very much aware of it, but this is the first time I've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I hadn't seen it. Uh, I heard of it. Something to do with, like, the amount of people car- used as extras or something like that. It's like a Gandhi-esque level. Yeah. Where, that, yeah. Um, but all I knew from the Battle of Algiers was actually studying decolonization. <laughs> and so that's... So I knew of the Battle of Algiers, the actual of it, rather <laughs> yeah. than the movie. Rather than, yeah, <laughs> Ponticovo's film version, yes. <laughs> and that is why you were here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I guess... I, Coming off of that, like, initial interpretations, like, did you guys, was it what you thought it might be, or, like, yeah? Uh, well, I, I loved it. Um, mm. I, for some reason, I just had it in my mind, it was just going to be this random acts, different set pieces of just battle, or, um, but the actual, the way it's constructed, I absolutely adored it, and... Um, yeah, just the way it presented the the conflict was wonderful. Mm. There's such a realism to it, and I suppose we should contextualize it in a in a film sense, and that is that it's coming off the back of the post World War Two forties and fifties Italian neorealism movement. Yep, uh, very inspired by films by like our Rome Open City and things yep. that we've you know discussed before. And it's got it's got all the hallmarks of that. So it's got you know um, unprofessional actors. Check. It's got the subjects include, you know, like oppression in some way. It's a lot, a lot of it's relating to um, the poorer working class. And uh, but what's interesting is that this is made in the '60s, in the late '60s, and mm. and as far as I'm aware, the neorealist movement was more the '40s and '50s. Yeah. So he he's very highly inspired by the neorealist movement there. Like like we said, like films like Rome, Open City, uh, Salvatore Giuliano, and things. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, of... we should even point out like Giulio Pontecorvo is an Italian filmmaker. He's not French. He's not Algerian. He is an Italian. Looking at like knowing about this conflict and being like, that's a story that needs to be fucking told. And using the influences that he, like, you know, the artists that inspired him in film, he's now gone and making that type of film. 
but he also manages to inject a little bit of the kind of postmodernism stuff in there, like the kind of fucking with the narrative structure a little bit, and you know, yeah, playing with the medium. Yeah, I mean, like while it's it's, it's supposed to be a kind of documentary style, uh, the editing I found was really remarkable. It the was freeze very frames. Modern. Oh my god! Mm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> to just impact. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. Uh, so I found it kind of like really engaging on a um, like. It felt like a contemporary film. Yeah, um, like um, apparent, and the whole, I think that goes hand in hand with the whole um, newsreel pseudo documentary style of it. Like he he and his cinematographer purposely made a choice to shoot it in black and white so it would look like newsreel footage, like a documentary. So it would have that impact of like this isn't a light, fluffy, fun, entertaining movie. We're trying to tell something that really happened here as accurately as we can. Um, down to the point that when the film was first released in the US and for years to come, um, I don't think it's no longer on the Criterion version and things, but it used to have a disclaimer at the beginning of the film saying not a single frame of this film is newsreel or documentary footage. It's <laughs> all actually it's staged, it, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> like they, but they had to do a disclaimer <laughs> explaining that. But I mean, and that's as you said just then, it's not that disclaimer is not in this edition. No. And so I wasn't aware that that, that was a thing. <laughs> And certainly get to the stage where you have the, the end sequence and there's, there's the, the uprising of the demonstrations. That looks completely real. I yeah. thought that was newsreel footage. Especially because we've hit 1960 by that point And it's, you know, you, you know, the film was released in 1966. So you're like, it's conceivable that this was actual footage then. So, <laughs> yeah. all filmed on the ground. So. And even the bombings, like, they're, they're kind of full on. I don't think you could do it these days because... The bombs go off on screen, yeah. and there's people really close to those explosions. <laughs> yeah, really close. <laughs> yeah, I, I do know. Um, whenever there was a bombing that happened, they built the structures like to look exactly like the buildings and the facades, but they were made out of polystyrene. So it's like the all that rubble and that explosion. So it's it's that loud bang and that like whoosh of air and everything, but all the actual rubble and stuff is just polystyrene. Yeah. So it's okay, but- okay <laughs> in air quotes. Yeah, it's okay, but but still like. I don't know if you could do that because these days because the units would be like people will definitely lose eyes. Yeah, almost. Hurt. What is this a Stephen <laughs> King production? We're not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Mike, uh, you <laughs> may know this. I'm hoping you do. So, the French were occupying um, Algeria for 130 years. I, I'm not kind of clear why that was. Is it just because uh, that's the status quo at that stage? Yeah. So that all comes down to um, the well, the European powers were. Occupied the scramble of Africa, so in the space of however many years, 90% of the continent was divided up between France, Britain, Germany, Belgium. Um, I think Italy had like one colony, no Russia, um, but yeah, they split up the continent. Um, and Africa, uh, France had North Africa, so Morocco, Tunisia, and Algeria, and then they had. Um, below um, the Sahara, so the uh, um, like the Ivory Coast and the West Africa, um, yeah. So they so that was in the mid 1900, 1900s. So are they just controlling um, <clears throat> resources at that stage, or what? Um, yeah, I mean uh, the empire. Like why why they why the uh, Europeans created their empires is a yeah long sought after. <laughs> Dominance, um, resources, uh, just um, uh, 
combating against the other super, uh, European superpowers at the mm. time. Um, yeah, so, but it comes right, like, obviously, um, 50s is the year of decolonization in Africa oh, well, and, and, and the rest of the world. Um, and is that is that a result of post-World War Two? Yeah. Yeah. So the, 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 we look at World War One as, like, the end of empire, but really it's World War Two that is the final, final nail in the coffin, um, particularly with the Americans and, the, and Soviet Union coming to the fore and then the idea of self-determination and um, Pete, those under colonial rule being able to um, govern, uh, be determinants of their own, um, their own futures. Uh, so if France had lost Indochina in the start of the mid fifty uh, mid nineteen fifties as well. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, nineteen fifties, mid nineteen fifties. Um, which then obviously leads into the Vietnam War. Which is explained in a horrendous scene in Apocalypse Now. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> horrendous in that it's like, we get it, guy. <laughs> 50 minute blank in the film. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, so here it's um, the context of Algeria's independence. So um, the struggle is quite interesting because it leads to the end of the Fourth Republic in France and. Currently, France is in the the Fifth Republic. It's the, um, uh, but there was a Fourth Republic. There's the Third Republic. There's even go, this is going back into the pre um, French Revolution stuff. So, okay. um, so it's a big event. It's a it changes the constitution of France, um, and yeah, and the French wanted bat, wanted to hold on to Algeria at all costs. Yeah, um, and that comes in. They had just discovered oil. Mm. Um, mm. Post World War Two, okay, um, and uh, yeah, that so they were so Algeria was seen as the, um, the jewel in their colonial empire, yeah. um, and it, it's so ironic, especially the way that um, the French are portrayed in, in particular, Colonel um, Matthew in the film, like the the position of people call us thugs and call us fascists and Nazis. We were on the front line. We were the resistance yeah. against the Nazis. But do you see the irony here yeah. that you are oppressing a people for the sake of yeah. colonialism and expanding your empire? Yeah. Huh. <laughs> yeah, I love I love the sequence where he's trying to to tiptoe around the word torture. Yeah, and the guy's just and like, then, let's just lay it out on Front Street. He's like, what's just, your question? Yeah. And they're just hard cuts to some serious fucking torture. And the film is really hard to watch in a lot of aspects. It though. it opens so fucking strong. That you like that opening mm. scene with where I think the first line of the film is you should have talked earlier you would have saved yourself all of this and it's this small frail mm. man who has just been broken yeah. and then like tries to kill himself like you just like what? and then it goes into that bombastic like dirty dozen yeah. style like yeah he troops yeah. And, and you're like yeah it's playful wow. it's playful all of a sudden with that the music yeah but I th- I mean obviously that's it he's being very ironic in that sense and yeah. you know yeah. toy soldier sort of situation yeah but um I know the like France obviously had a massive issue with this film uh, <laughs> when it came out um it was banned in France for about uh four years four to five years and then when it finally did get released in, I think, seventy late 71, it was only, like, really limited and it was, like, super hard and they would uh, constantly... Sh- the government would shut down screenings and stuff. And still to this day, it is considered to be a very controversial film 
in France because it's just like there are a lot of people who agreed with what they were doing there. <laughs> so yeah. I, I must commend the film for not turning the French military into just like mustache curling <clears throat> dickheads. That, that's a point I want to get to later on, like the whole he, he, Ponikovo's approach and whether it is like the neutral slash unbiased approach, like where where you guys kind of sit on that. <laughs> well, I mean, like most of he's on, I think. About a dozen or two dozen films, yeah, and the vast majority are actual documentaries. Mm, yeah, well, so, that, he came from that cinema verite documentary filmmaking, which is why yeah. he incorporated that style here. So you can see why he'd be wanting to portray the event as non-biased as he can. Almost, it's like a fictional reporting of it. Yeah. So the film, like the the source material of it, was uh, one of the uh, leaders of the um, FLN who was captured and imprisoned. Wrote a book about the accounts of, you know, the lead up to his arrest and what happened to him while he was under arrest, and that was used as kind of the Bible print, I guess. And but to make it a fictionalized version, there's like composite characters. Like General Matthew is not a real person. Uh, what? So there is. So that's oh. what, um, so he is, uh, they've changed his name. Okay, yeah, because so, it's, um, it's, um, Massau, isn't it? Yeah, General Jacques Massau. I was yeah. going to say that Mike has a book, <laughs> he bought a book, and it's got about four dozen tabs in it. Yeah. <laughs> You're doing a little bit of research, Mike. Yeah. Oh, I, I love this book. <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah, he is a, um, uh, based on a, on a, true figure mm. which is always yeah interesting mm. like he's an actual thinker I actually I read up that he's also kind of like an amalgamation of a lot of of um, uh, authority figures within the French military that were occupying at the time yeah so the French military only come in um, I think there's that scene in the movie where they're marching down one of the boulevards and everything's playing mm. yeah so the actual military France's paratroopers came in in it, that. Yeah, it was because it's initially the local police force and things, and then that's when you have like um, the the film in a very brilliant kind of way because we it, it opens with essentially the end of the film. It, it does a Chris Nolan where it's like we're going to start at the end and we're going to go backwards. <laughs> and we're gonna the sh- exact same as Salvador Giuliano as well. Yeah, yeah, and it's going to show us where we end up, and it's not a great place that we're ending up, but it's like how did we get here? And um, the film, I, I, what I love about it is it starts very sloppy and very raw and it's a lot of handheld cameras and like not, and like sometimes not even in focus and just rough around the edges. And then the FLN starts to organize and then the film itself starts to organize and be, slowly becomes more formulaic and it's like, holy shit, they're using a dolly and tracking shots now. <laughs> like, yeah, that's right. And then you have that wonderful, like, I mean, it's not, wonderful what's being depicted necessarily but it's there's the great sequence where it's um the fln and it just comes up with like you know 11 30 in the morning and then like 2 40 in the afternoon mm-hmm. and it's just them starting to attack the organized attacks on yeah. various you know police yeah. figures and, and it's yeah. you know because initially it's just the local police for the french run police force yeah. and things and then you have the escalation where it's locking down the casbah and things and then that's not even working so we then have to bring in the paratroopers and force it up and then the you know the unfortunate thing of the FLM thinking hey you know the UN's looking into this we might have a chance (laughs) (laughs) the UN's just like what's going on (laughs) so (laughs) (laughs) but um but then it does fall back when they do 
um, you know, when they are squashed as a rebellion, mm. it does that the the film style does fall back into a very um, non traditional shaky cam, yeah, you know, bird's eye views over you know buildings over. Um, uh, uh, protesters and whatever. Yeah, it does fall back into disorder. Yeah, the uh, film filmically wise. Filmically. Yeah, the, the the final shot that I think is very a very kind of like established kind of traditional style, style shot is when, uh, uh, spoiler alert, I guess uh, <laughs> when Ali and the four remaining members are hiding off and they decide they're not going to come out and the French are going to bomb and you have this amazing panning shot of the Casbah and it's like all the people watching and then off in the distance you have the military on the mm. houses and you yes. it just scans and I'm like that this looks like a, a, a fucking David Lean film right now <laughs> this looks like it's out of Lawrence of Arabia that is the best shot of the film. and it's that it's that fine and it's that beautiful thing where it's like this meant something this is like they stood for something they were doing something this is the importance and the impact this has and then it just all comes crumbling down and then slowly it starts to reform and we get the you know, the formula starts to come back with the filmmaking. Oh my God, it's so good. <laughs> it, is, it is so good. Precisely. Uh, and actually, I learned uh, that this film was being used in, in 2003, 2004. Yeah. Do we get into that now? <laughs> so, I suppose so. Uh, so, yeah, the Department of Defense, um, the US Department of Defense was using this. Uh, they would have screenings and they would show um, soldiers, they would show... Uh, civilian experts that would be related to the Iraq war, um, officers, whatever. And it was a kind of a way of, of priming them for what guerrilla warfare would be like. Yeah. Uh, which that's kind of odd because if you show them this, the people that are occupying as a military force are the bad guys. So it's like, it's (laughs) the, the film is offering a view of pretty anti-colonialism. So it's like, yeah, why would you show that? Not just that, but, like, I actually have... What they did was um, they would... Uh, the, the Directorate of the Special Operations and Low Intensity Conflict, uh, yeah. they w- went out and they uh, handed out flyers for the screenings, and this is the wording that ha- they had on the flyers. <laughs> How to win a battle against terrorism and lose the war of ideas. Children shoot soldiers at point-blank range. Women plant bombs in cafes. Soon the entire Arab population builds to a mad fervor. Sound familiar? The French have a plan. It succeeds tactically, but fails strategically. To understand why, come to a rare showing of this film. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> so it's basically they're, they're having screenings at the Pentagon to be like, so how can we do what they did, but still look good? <laughs> Check women's handbags. Oh, it's yeah, but it is uh, like when I, you're a genius. <laughs> yeah, when I when I was watching it, I was like, wow, this is okay. This is uh, this these issues are still playing out, mm. um, and the urban guerrilla warfare, like how it portrays urban guerrilla warfare, is is amazing. Like amazing, and the way things escalate, the I think it's you know the the shooting of the. Jen Dardemer, the French police, and then it then it escalates with the um the the French um the I think they're called Pierre Pierre Noirs. They're the like they're the French people who were born in Algeria, but they identify like they're the French Europeans. But yeah, they're in Al- they they live in Algeria. Mm-hmm. Then blowing up um 
one of the one of the buildings in the in the Casbah that near yeah. the start. Yeah. And then it, and then it just it it escalates and that, and that escalation is is excellently portrayed. It's clear. Yeah. It doesn't bog down in too much of the minutiae of who's that, right, who's wrong. It just yeah. It's presenting and, facts yeah. and what it like. Two reasons why I love the way that those scenes are presented. Um, it's you. It's like the double hander of the French bombing the Casbah and then the retaliation of the three women planting the bombs. Yeah. Um, those scenes primarily happen with no dialogue. Yeah. And it's like at the when it's the beginning of the French people, they're at a dinner party out in a like at a garden party, yeah. and they just like look at their watch and like, yeah, we gotta go. Yeah. As never explained to the audience what is happening, but you immediately understand what is happening. Yeah. It is pure visual filmmaking. It yeah, like I said, it doesn't get bogged down in minutia. You know what the fuck is going on. Same with the retaliation stuff with the women. Like you yeah. they they never say, Alright, this is the plan, guys. This is what we're doing. <laughs> Um, and then the double fold, and this is why I think Pontecovo is such a brilliant director, is the aftermath for that. When it is the morning of, and there's that like heart-wrenching scene of digging the bodies out of the rubble, and it's like the music that's playing is like a funeral dirge song, and it's fucking sad and horrible. He plays the exact same music with the bomb when the bombs go off in the French, the European quarter. He is like not signifying isn't it so sad that the Algerians have died he's like isn't it so sad people yeah. have died like he's trying to do it like conflict sucks everybody <laughs> <laughs> like why the fuck are we doing this but you, you do end up watching the film through the prism of of the Algerians are effectively the heroes yeah well what's anyway, interesting so. what's and what's so interesting about that is this is widely cited as one of, if not the first film to present uh, North African people as protagonists, as people who weren't just, and, and a setting as well, not just as a backdrop. Mm. Like we've had a couple of other films set in and around Algeria, like Pepe Lamoco with Jean Javin and things. And it's like, it's all European people living mm. in these locations and it's set dressing. This is the first time it's like, no, Fucking people, like, this is their home, and let's tell their story. And, yeah. Uh, that uh, that sequence with the three ladies, uh, I mean, it's like 20 minutes long or something like that, but fucking, I was so engaged, man. Like, yeah. the, everything about that sequence was, was perfect. The score uh, was... Utterly incredible with the whole. The I think it was count out the time, the time going. Yeah, <sighs> yeah, and there's like the indigenous Algerian style drumming stuff. Um, the, the, like there's the piano and the guitar, which like it felt like Wild West, but which you know at that time he's doing the the spaghetti western stuff. He's, he's Morricone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's also apart from that too. So there's there's that. I mean, it, urban guerrilla warfare would be like the Wild West to some degree. Hmm. Um, but at the same time, like there's that just constant tension being built because there's no one talking and it's just you're you're listening to these this drumming, this militaristic style drumming. Mm. Um, and then he, he does he lights the scenes and places his camera so well and cast such interesting looking people that like when the three women arrive and like the, just them going through the checkpoints is so yeah. fucking stressful and you're yes. like yeah I know oh, yeah. And, and like the fact that it starts with them like cutting their hair and bleaching and you you immediately know what what is coming why they're doing yeah. it I, I didn't immediately know like I, I loved that it um, once I think it was like once they when they were doing the makeup I was mm. like I don't fully understand what's going on but then 
the situation just kind of started unfolding and then you're just like, oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, wait, hold This on. is what we're doing now, okay. And then when they get to the, you know, the, the fish the fish market, the docks area, and it's the, you see the guy who makes the bombs, you're like, this guy is so interesting and he's on screen for two minutes <laughs> and I would watch an entire film about him and he doesn't even say a goddamn word. <laughs> like, so engaging and you just cannot fucking look away and you just get gripped by this film. Yeah. I think editing-wise, it's it's as if you're watching a film from today. Like, yeah. And, you know, it's... Yeah. It really hasn't aged. <laughs> no, which is both a, a, like, ultimate praise to, the like, the filmmakers and the people who worked on it, but it's also a fucking bum of a society. <laughs> They're still like, relevant. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I mean, well, even the imagery of the... Of the uh, the last five minute sequence yeah. with, the, with the protesters doing their demonstration it's like cut to you know me watching the news like four days ago or whatever with yeah. riots and stuff and it's yeah. like you know the, you know America and, and uh, it's so eerily similar that it's just utterly scary yeah still yeah. wrestling with that colonial past yeah, yeah. we all are uh, that's right. yeah <laughs> yeah I mean it's not it's there's no occupation going on over there but but you can start to see I love that uh, the film I was trying to figure out where is it going where, you know, you have this uprising of the uh, FLN, FLN? Yeah. FLN. Uh, and then they completely obliterated and it's like, okay, so that's that arc. Where do we go from here? And that's the last, the last five minutes is focusing on just a, a constant sustained yeah. um, building of, of noise and pressure from the society at large is the thing that really gets change happening yeah but also that's been established in the film in the wonderful wonderful scene between uh ali laplante and uh uh ben mahidi uh where they're on the rooftop and like they're discussing the revolution and the act of terrorism like you know it's the educated um you know person running the organization and the person who's doing it because they they're passionate but they're not necessarily like ali is a passionate great soldier but he's not necessarily Intelligent. He's, an, uh, he's illiterate. Yeah. No, he has to. Yeah. He has to get the little kid to read. Yeah. He's, he's a thug. Yeah. But uh, and Ben says to him, um, "It's hard to start a revolution. Even harder to continue it. And the hardest of all to win it. But uh, but it's only afterwards when we have won that the true difficulties begin. And it so it's like <laughs> you know, you, that's why you need to have that qu- like that last ten minutes of the yeah. film to be. It's all being set up, and this is where we're going. And you know, it's yeah. Um, that's such a it's it's hard the real struggle is after because so many with particularly in Africa's case with decolonization you had all these struggles they get their independence but it didn't I mean a lot of countries are still struggling with their with issues of dictatorships and what was a revolution what wasn't Um, yeah but Algeria is an interesting case hmm the F- so the FLN, yeah. in um, and they do depict. So they do get kicked out of Algiers. In fact, Algeria they move into the remnants move into um, Morocco and Tunisia. Okay, and then they come back, and that that uprising scene at the very end, um, they're they're still part of that um, pushing that through, and they um, end up. Spoiler alert! They they. They kick the French out in 62 and they become um, the one party ruler for for Algeria over the next 30 odd years and huh. not without their their own issues. Mm, but yeah, it's, nice. yeah. 
Yeah. But it's that build up. It's that, yeah. Mm. They're there for the struggle. Yeah. But that, uh, it's what happens after is always the interesting point. Yeah. And that's, you know, I, I think, like, obviously the film doesn't dwell into that because, no. I mean, made in 66, no. yeah. but it's also, like, it, it's established <laughs> with having yeah. uh, Ben Hamidhi, I'm, I'm butchering his name, but yeah, like that, him explaining all of that and kind of setting all of that up for us. It's uh, the best, the best movie I've seen it represented in is V for Vendetta. Okay. With uh, V saying he, he'll start the revolution, but he's not the one to then lead into the next phase. Yeah. He's, he's... So he's the... You, he stops yeah. after we've... After the revolution or whatever the uprising has begun and almost ended, but mm. he's not part of the, the creation... He, of his the, role is done then. Yeah, yeah, the creation of the new okay. world. Cause it's it the does, same flow, because it's, like, yeah. it's almost a form of domestic terrorism, <clears throat> yeah. which sparks it, yeah. and then someone else has to finish the job. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. Yeah. But it's... Yeah. It's so well done, and I, yeah, I wish I'd watched it during the history classes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, what were your teachers doing? They should have... Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, this, I mean, obviously, it's it's not an easy film to watch. I mean, you know, it has a lot of depictions of, um, you know, torture and things. Um, but it is such an important film, and what it shows is so... Like, like we've said, like, it's so relevant even today that, like, it, it, it's insane that this film is not widely shown in high schools around the fucking world. Like, it's mad. Like, um, a lot of people, like, I mean, there's the inverse thing of, like, what the Pentagon did, where it's like, let's watch this after 9-11 yeah. and, like, learn from it in a bad way. But there were, this actually had a massive re-release in the um, early 2000s where it was like, hey, everybody... Like, we should all watch this. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. the film's remarkable and sad at the same time. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, it's the perspective that I think makes it so yeah. interesting. It's, it's something you've never really seen before. It is, like, you, you, you might have seen before, but in not in a realistic way, in a schlocky kind of way. Like, we're going to yeah. have the freedom fighters and the resistance. Yeah. Like, we fucking saw it. We see it in Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like. It's not, yeah. Oh, this group is all good, and this other yeah. group is all bad. It's, it, mm. it's nuanced. Yeah. Which, yeah. Which leads me to, like, the, the discussion I want to have, like, with uh, Pontecorvo approached this film and still maintains that he, he thinks he made an unbiased film which is why he was so upset and felt hurt when it got banned in france and like you know all the outcry and he fucking he got death threats i think you bring your own biases to the film a lot too though yeah and i think like you can't you can't help that uh, but but at that same time you do watch the film and you can't you can't help but side with the algerians like he it is that thing of he he can maintain he's making an unbiased film but you can see where his favor lies to some degree um but yeah well, like what's your guys take on like the the balance between representation of the french and the algerians i guess i, I think i think he's he's only trying to convey uh what these things are like on film naturally you're going to have uh the, a military occupation the military body is going to be well, you're going to be scratching your head going like, there's no justice for these people if, if you're there. So mm. so you bring your own biases in that situation. But at the same time, you know, he's just trying to show you this is this is how revolution starts and this is how it kind of carries through. And this is what happened. <laughs> essentially. And that's what, exactly. So, 
so yeah, like mm. you, I, I, there's not, I don't, there's almost like no point trying to figure out whether his biases are in it or, or not in it. Cause it's like, you can just watch, it's supposed to be a, a documentary almost. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like he's reporting as opposed to creating, he happens to be, there happens to be actors, but it's a, it's a reporting of what happens. So mm. it's not a fiction built to try and serve as propaganda. Mm. Well, on that note, actually, uh, there's only one actor in the film. Yeah, the Colonel, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, Colonel Matthew. It's uh, Jean Martin is the actor, and he was the only professional actor in the entire film. And he, so it, they are all just people that lived in Algeria, and he was just like, I want to cast people that... That look interesting. Look uh, interesting. Like Ali, for example, his face is, just has such a, an amazing... Mm. You're just drawn to it. There's a lot of gravity. Just like, it's insane. Oh. And to get performances, certain performances out of them, he would do 20, 30, 40 takes sometimes to the point of where these, you know, non-professional actors would just get beaten down, worn down and look tired and he's just like, there we go. <laughs> you now look like you're fighting a revolution. <laughs> I read that, um, uh, not Ali Dupont, the, uh, the other guy, Jafar. Yep. He, what, he is Saadi Ben, Ben, oh, I can't remember his, his surname, but he's the, um, he's one of the revolutionary, like, revolutionary, Air quotes, revolutionaries hmm. um, that took part in the Battle of Algiers. Oh wow! Okay, I did not. Um, that. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure I read that somewhere. So, oh yeah, uh, Sadi Yassef. Yeah. Um, oh god, yeah, he wrote the book yeah. that the thing the film's based on. Yeah. God, yes. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> we try our best here at the Criterion Quest, but. <laughs> Um, mm. But yeah, but going back to your point on perspective, I think it's. I mean, there's there's always going to be a bias, no matter what. I don't. I don't think anyone can produce anything without a bias. So perspective, yeah. the perspective that it shows though is real is interesting. But I I understand why the French would be would want to ban it. I mean, they're smarting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're smarting. They've lost their empire. They've had to write a new constitution. Yeah. They've had to pull Charles de Gaulle out from retirement to, to take over their own country. <laughs> I can probably understand. Yeah. The, we don't want to watch this right now. Yeah. It's just... It's, it, yeah. <laughs> well, also, apparently, when the film was released initially in the U... It had, like, a limited, like, festival run and things on it when it first came out in 66 and then had a wider release in... 67, 68, and uh, in the US and the UK, the majority of the torture scenes were cut from the film. And I think it received an X rating and things, like, which is, like, like, there's no blood in this film, really. It's just, it's the, like, it is such a realistic depiction, and, like, like, sociopolitically, that you're just like, ouch, this really is tough to watch. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah. The, 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 in particular, you know, the blowtorch sequence yeah, yeah it's just yeah. It, it might as well be a beheading almost you know yeah I mean it's shit so well, I mean fuck there is an actual beheading well, in the yeah. film that's true that's uh, it turns out that guy oh, yeah, the guillotine yeah <laughs> which is like that haunting shot where it's like the like the weird flute music mm-hmm. and it, you just it, it cuts to the, the side of the building with just all the small windows mm-hmm. looking out and you know that everyone's looking at him and you're just like oh this is just haunting to watch his thong falls off his, his foot yeah mm. uh, there's something really sad about that yeah well, <laughs> it's just like a little bad little touch where it's just like oh man the fucking he lost his thong <laughs> the added insanity of that scene that that like person playing the prisoner getting beheaded 
was an FLN fighter who was on death row to be executed. <laughs> and so they're like, you want to live it out? <laughs> you want to relive that traumatic? Yeah. yeah. PTSD, yeah. Fucking insane. And like the, these thongs that don't fit well. Yeah, but like the imagery of that, of like him being marched through the prison and screaming out, long live Algeria, long live Algeria, and the French fucking muffling his mouth. You're just like... Well, there's a statement. <laughs> like, there's the thesis, what we're doing here. <laughs> like, good lord. Um, but yeah, it's... I think why I love this film so much... I Like, this was probably, like, the sixth or seventh time I've watched it. Um, because it is... At the end of the day, it's super fucking entertaining as well. Like, all the... Putting all the socio-political stuff aside... Like we said, like, the scene of the three women going... You know, loading up for the bombing... It is awesome filmmaking. Like, you sit there yeah, and you are on a fucking yeah. knife blade, like, on the edge of your seat, like... And I like how also they... Rep- they With um, the difference between being in the Casbah, very cramped, close quarters, very claustrophobic, and then, you, then the shots of in the European quarter where all these big, wide boulevards, cafes everywhere. It's... Yeah, I like that contrast of how it's depicted and shown and it's the only time when you get um diegetic music and things mm. coming in as well as like when they're in the french quarter you always hear music playing in yeah. the background somewhere like you know whether it's in the cafe or yeah. like coming from a car radio there's always you know yeah. this this lively fun hip yeah. place and then the casbah is just like fuck yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the production design I, I marvel at as well the fact that like it, it, it's it was made on a tiny fucking budget. I think it was like $800,000. Um, it looks amazing what they've done. Like those checkpoint scenes mm-hmm. are just baffling to watch. And like all the mass protest scenes, like apparently Portico, like to direct those, um, he would do like map it out almost like a football game where he did like chalk on the <laughs> ground of like, all right, this team, you go this way and then you break left and you do this and he'd mapped it out. And because of there's so many people, you can't see the chalk, like the directing of like hustling and the flowing of where people go on the ground. It's amazing. <laughs> like the ingenuity behind it. Mm. Yeah, it's a massive achievement. And it's kind of funny that, that, you know, he makes this film, which I got no problems with saying this is one of the best war films I've ever seen. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and yet yeah, I never heard of him. Like, like he's made a couple of of non-documentary feature films he made one, uh, one with, with like Marlon Brando yeah the, I think it's called Burn with Marlon Brando yeah. like a couple of years after this like but never really didn't seem yeah. I, I would say like much of a success outside of this film no no but but at the end of the day he has made internationally he yeah probably, he probably saw a lot of success in his own in Italy for example well but but this I think he didn't need to like <laughs> after this film like he's done so well and like after this as well you then have like a string of interesting socio-political films that are from a perspective you don't normally see like Z coming out soon after this like yeah it, it just kind of got the ball rolling on what you can do and say politically in cinema like that was never it was a little bit there but it was like <laughs> which leads to the thing of like could this shit even be made today <laughs> like no yeah. it, it can't, you can't other than other than an independent like just people going off and making it yeah. but then but there's like who the who the hell is going to distribute that <laughs> like yeah. you know you know you can't get the realism of the bombing sequences these days no. unless you do it illegally i guess yeah well that the yeah or you know cgi just wouldn't do it no mm. no <laughs> it's so effective because 
everything is so raw and real to look at. Well, the thing that stood out to me, what you were saying before, like the, this is one of the best war films you've ever seen. It's, it is the first, when you watch the film, nothing, it's, it's unlike any other war film you've ever seen that you're just like, it, it is a war film, but it's a type of war that you never <laughs> see depicted on film. Yeah. It's, you know, when you think war film, you think, like, the ones that Platoon, Pockets Now, Saving Private Ryan, you know, Great Escape even, like, those are war films. (laughs) But it's like, no, that's what this is. Yeah, Yeah. because it's a different type of war, Mm. but it's still a war. Um, And the way it depicts it is just astounding, the way. Um, Yeah, apparently one of the... uh, There was a left-wing... Military group in the seventies, Beta Mainhof in the in oh, West Germany. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. leader of that. This was his favorite movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The the Beta Mainhof, like yeah, the colleague revolution in yeah. Eastern. Like, uh, was it West West Germany? Germany. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> Tom's like, I don't know. Huh? <laughs> yeah. hey, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Look into it. It's, uh, there's a, there was a really great movie about it a couple of years ago, and bizarrely, it's the backdrop for the Suspiria remake. I was okay. just like, let's just add some flavor, and this is happening in the background. Beta my house happening. Um, yeah, but you would, yeah, you wouldn't get any anything like that, mm. like t- this type of movie these days, mm. um, unless, yeah, it, it was a documentary almost. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but like on that same note as like it, it being like revolutionary and what it's doing and it's presenting and things, and also tying in with that like the beta stuff. Mm. Um, I know the Black Panthers use this film a lot as like a benchmark and like copying the FLN of like, well, this is how we activate. This is how we go about what we do. And it was, it was almost a lot of people viewed the film as dangerous because it's like, well, this is a blueprint for domestic terrorist cells. Mm. It is inciting violence. Like, I mean, you bring your own kind of ethics and morality to it in the sense of going like, you know, could you ever support a movement that's happy to blow up civilians? Yeah, I, I see that, but it, but also like it, towards the end of the, the film ends with a, it was through. Uh, yeah, it's, no, it's, it's really yeah. yeah, it's really shaky. Like you, and that's yeah, it, it comes down to freedom fighter versus yeah. terrorist, and yeah, yeah. Um, you, have they been put? Is that the only way they can see it and out? Is having to go down that civilian path. But then they're also under colonial rule, so they're being oppressed in that sense. What? It's so. It's full on, man. Like, can you do? Can you fight in military by just having uh, peaceful protests, or do you need to blow up civilians on both sides to get it? Well, that's. A, I mean, and that's. It's a. They're all like the FLN aren't a aren't a aren't a military. They're they're just a essentially a, a group of people mm. who have been militarized. Uh, radicalized Mm. Um, and so using military conventions isn't conventional because they're not in Mm. that so they've got to use a regular warfare and so yeah Mm. yeah and then you make your own thousands yeah 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 exactly so I'm done talking about this (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like my last note I've got is just (laughs) 
Because at, at a certain point, I just kind of stopped writing notes because I just got so engaged in the film. And, like, the last thing I wrote when the film ended was just, like, it's a f this film was fucking amazing. It, it strikes that perfect balance between discussing socio-political issues and being a masterpiece of cinematic storytelling. Yeah, like, and it, having that focus, um, the focus on Ali mm. as well, because it could... It, it, I, my preconceptions before I watched it, I thought it might turn into this bloated, oh, there's all these different things happening, I don't know what's going on, who am I supposed to be barracking for? Yeah. And it's it's following his story, but then adding a couple of layers on top. He won't, he, he disappears from the film for like half hour yeah. chunks at a time. But we, like, yeah, you don't, I mean, because you can get bloated down in too much, yeah, politics or whatever the side of it. Um, but he just, yeah, using Ali as that through line. Really it's, it's a clean film yeah yeah. which is you know, given the subject matter it's it's pretty incredible yeah and like fuck we made it on a roll I, I, <laughs> I'd been talking it up for weeks and then yep these one two three I, t I was telling you yeah, yeah, yeah you're right <laughs> it's great um, but did you guys have any other like things that we haven't discussed or touched on with the film I know it, it's it's a tough one to go into like real specifics of I mean I, I would I could spend like fucking hours talking about like even just yeah. individual scenes like when it's the old man who's sitting on the curb and all of a sudden the French just start yelling there's the guy there's the guy and he just gets arrested and killed and you're like well like the little boy at the racetrack like yeah. who just starts getting beaten because he is different like you know he is an Algerian it's like amazing scenes I think eventually eventually when talking about this film, you will end up talking about literal philosophy. Yeah. You will just break away from the film and you'll start tackling, mm. you know, all sorts of problems of philosophy and yeah. ethics and stuff. So yeah, th this is, so that's, and that's beyond this podcast. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Do that. I, I think this is a, like, it hasn't happened for a while for us, Tom, but like uh, uh, periodically we stumble across a film where you're like, this is a important film for like, obviously sociopolitical reasons, as well as, history of cinema like this is one this is the first one in a very long time where I'm like literally every human should see this fucking movie <laughs> like, so, so why was it included in Criterion because it's a fucking like because of all of those reasons and it is an important like, piece of cinema it, it, history is, and is, they could get the rights is, and is, they could get the rights yeah, to release it but is, it, is it more because of the it's the like it's filmic techniques or is it more because of the matter the subject matter that it's well the interesting portraying. yeah the interesting thing is I, I i deep dived on a lot of the special features and it every single special feature splits a balance between half of the time everyone talks like it's all these people talking about the importance of the film and it is both it is like it is the, what it is doing and saying like it, it's an telling an important story and like socio like you know bring up socio-political issues and things and then what it did for cinema, the way it's presented, it, it, the, you know, the melding of neorealism, postmodernism, pseudo-documentary, like, it hadn't been seen before. And, it's and you know, not just that, but a film dealing with... that is so politically charged as well. Hadn't re this is 1966. This is, like, you know, <laughs> 50, 60 years ago. Like, you know, it's a, it's a very old <laughs> film. And, you know... And then it spurred on a whole generation of, you know, activated, politically activated filmmakers to tell their stories of oppression. Um, so it, it, it just, like I said, it strikes that perfect balance of, and not just that, but it's fucking the music, the cinematography, the acting from unprofessional actors. Like, it's just, 
You love this film. I do. It's a, <laughs> I, think, I think it is a legit masterpiece. Yeah, yeah. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Watch it, everybody. It's on YouTube. It's on YouTube for, for fuck's sake. You know, no excuse. That's how I watched it. Yeah, no excuse. <laughs> well, on that note, do you guys want to hear a little bit of trivia about the film? Yeah. Yeah. So the film was nominated for an Oscar for Best Foreign Language Film at the 1967 Academy Awards. It was then later nominated for Best Director and Best Screenplay uh, written directly for the film at the 1969 Academy Awards. So it was uh, submitted as, like, the um, the film for, uh, I forget, like, it's probably Italy, I think. Italy or, like, because they finance, majority finance the film. Italy submitted it in 1966 uh, as their film and it got nominated and then when it finally got released in the US in the late 60s it was like oh shit and it got <laughs> re-nominated again uh, for best director and best screenplay uh, it was awarded a UN award at the 1972 BAFTAs uh, when it finally got released widely in Europe and was awarded the Fopresky Prize uh, the award of the City of Venice and the Golden Lion at the 1966 Venice Film Festival where it premiered mm-hmm. uh, so it swept yeah. it, it won all the awards at Venice um, apparently, uh, Potokovo and Ennio Morricone had a lot of fights working on this movie and did not get along. And <laughs> well, they they both co-composed. Right? They co-composed the score together, and it's I, it, I two Italians fighting each other. No, I've never heard that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, apparently, like they they were just at loggerheads constantly about like thematically and like musically what the film should do, and it's to the point of I think the producers made um, Potokovo bring Ennio Morricone on board for the film because they were like because his music was that really weird a melodic kind of like almost saying like horse like Monty Python style like coconuts clacking <laughs> together like the horse and the ticking and the timing and all of that and they were like this, this is a real arty guy <laughs> can we bring in you know Ennio Morricone to liven this up a bit and they were kind of at loggerheads and um Pontecorvo had his, in his head the idea of the melody that would be the main theme of the film and, um, you know, went out to go meet Morricone and Morricone's like, before you do that, can I just play you a little something? And it was the exact same melody. And Ponticovo was like, oh my God, that's, a, that's incredible. We're finally on the same wavelength after like months and months of fighting. This is brilliant. And then like 30 years later, Morricone revealed to him at like a Q&A at like a resurgence screening. He was just like, oh no, dude, I, I heard you whistling it up the street and I was just fucking with you. <laughs> I heard you whistling it as you were coming up to my house, and so I was like, oh, I'll just do this for him. <laughs> I thought that was sweet and playful. There's even a, a track in it. I was listening to the soundtrack after I watched the film because it was so awesome. Mm. And there's even a track that kind of reminded me of the Jaws theme. Yeah. There's like, I think it's at the 25 minute mark. Maybe you can pull this up and put a little sound bite in. But yeah, it's just like, what, Jaws was what, 70? 70, 75. 75. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, I was like, oh, interesting that maybe John Williams kind of saw this and said, I, I like this. Wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Like, not saying like, that sounds harsh against John Williams, but it's more <laughs> like, no, it'd be inspired thematically and musically. Like, yeah. Uh, talked about that the film had been banned in France and the torture scene cut in the US, blah, 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 blah. Um, so yeah, he, he talked about him using non-professional actors. Um, but yeah, so he, using them, he was mainly basically, um, you know, whittling them down and just using them as faces and that's why there's not much dialogue in the film um and also why uh the, the majority cu- the of the Kubrick du- technique the Kubrick technique the David Fincher the Kubrick the you know just break your actors down and mold them like clay <laughs> <laughs> um but that's also why the majority of the film is dubbed 
if you guys, I don't know if you guys noticed that, but it's like, of course I noticed that there's some of it's really uh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. So it's like all ADR and dubbed and stuff because you know, not professionals. Yeah. Um, oh, and apparently, uh, Jean Martin, uh, the one professional actor got, um, <laughs> got in a lot of fights with Potokovo as well, because he was like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> like, and he's like, Sh- I-, I need you to just tone it down because it's non-professionals and it'll just look more realistic. And he's like, no, but I'm an actor from the theater. <laughs> you're like, Stop it! Acting, <laughs> just have it. Be real, goddammit. Daniel Day Lewis, this shit. Just be subtle. <laughs> That's a joke. Daniel Day Lewis is not subtle. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's, that's, I've gone through most of the trivia just in general conversations come up, but, um, I will say that Christopher Nolan has cited this as one of his favorite films and a major influence on both The Dark Knight Rises and Dunkirk. Okay. Dunkirk in terms of, like, structurally how to present and, like, frame a war film, I guess, and Dark Knight Rises in particular for the last third of that film where it's the riots and, you know, the mass protest stuff. Concentrated in the city. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, and uh, of course, Roger Ebert uh, included this on his list of great films. He gave it a four out of four and sings its praises to no end. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But that about wraps us up for Battle of Algiers. I mean, I love this film. You guys clearly really dug it. Yeah, <laughs> I love it as well, yes. Yeah. Um, as, a, as a student of history and politics, adore it. Yeah. Um, in through that lens. Um, and then just... As someone who just likes to watch movies, I also adore it. <laughs> yes. It, 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 it hits all those notes. <laughs> so we'll move on to the actual Criterion edition itself. Uh, so it's available as a two-disc Blu-ray or a three-disc DVD, and it's also available on the Criterion channel streaming service. But uh, the physical release has all the special features, which include Gilo Pontecorvo, The Dictator of Truth, a documentary by literary critic Edward Said, Marxist Poetry, The Making of Battle of Algiers, a documentary featuring interviews with Pontecovo, uh, Gatti, who was the cinematographer, and composer Ennio Morricone, uh, among others. Uh, interviews with Spike Lee, Mira Nair, Julian Schnabel, Steven Soderbergh, and Oliver Stone on the film's influence, style, and importance. Um, Remembering History, a documentary on the Algerian experience of the Battle of Independence. Uh, Et d'Armes, a documentary <laughs> excerpt featuring senior French military officers recalling the use of torture and execution to combat the Algerian rebellion. The Battle of Algiers, a case study, a video piece featuring U.S. counterterrorism experts. Gilo Pontecorvo's Return to Algiers, a documentary in which the filmmaker revisits the country after three decades of independence as well as theatrical trailer production gallery and a thick-as-fuck booklet all about essays <laughs> about uh, historical context and excerpts from the script. This is a stacked <laughs> edition. So, yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can watch a couple of uh, the special features on YouTube, too. It would say it. I think there's, like, I, I saw... Uh, well, there's a, there's a... Yeah, anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> All right. You can see a couple of things on YouTube. Yeah. There's like an Ennio Morricone little segment, like two or three minutes. There's one uh, with Spike talking about the film a bit. Yeah. Yeah, Spike Spike loves this film. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and a lot of the special features are also up on the Criterion channel. Um, it's it's definitely look at, worth looking into. But I guess that'll wrap us up for the Battle of Algiers, which brings us, which brings us to our next... 
I think we're going to do it over two weeks. Oh, oh, this is this one. Yes, okay. We have, coming up next, John Cassavetes, five films, a box set examining the cinema of John Cassavetes. Yeah, we're not doing that in a week. No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because it's six films and a box set. So, like, you know, five Cassavetes films and a doco about him. We're going to spread that over two weeks, folks. So <laughs> we're going to crack into the box set and uh, watch the first couple. Although we did get a lovely listener send an email suggesting, like knowing that this was coming up, that we should maybe start with um, watching A Constant Forge, the documentary that is the later spine number. And it's the doc about Cassavetes. So it gives us context for the film. So we might do that. We'll, oh, we'll, we'll definitely do that. Yeah. We'll... <laughs> <laughs> and then deep dive into some... Uh, Late 50s, 60s, and 70s uh, independent cinema. We get to see Peter Falk a lot. <laughs> I don't know who that is. <laughs> it's Columbo, man. It's Columbo. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me, son. I got a question. <laughs> um, but again, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, if you haven't seen this film, please, for the love of God, watch it. It's amazing. Um, if you have any comments or queries or anything like that, you can send us an email at thecriterionquest at gmail.com. Or you can follow me on Twitter at Criterion Quest. Otherwise, we'll be back next week with some John Cassavetes. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for jumping on this episode. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed that, this movie. Yeah, <laughs> we, we would be fucking floundering without your historical context and information and knowledge. So thank you very much. We'll now discuss um, uh, what happened in... Egypt. Okay. <laughs> History lesson is about to begin. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, for this week's episode, I'm Chris. I'm Tom. And I'm Mike. See you next time. <laughs>